Welcome to Literacy Mike, where we have conversations about learning. Literacy Mike is produced by Washna Literacy. Believing that literacy is the foundation for a sustainable community, Washna Literacy provides literacy support free of charge to adults through a network of trained tutors. Today we're talking about barriers to learning and how they impact all of us. My guest is Michaela Whitney, and they are a program coordinator with Washtenaw Literacy, and I'm thrilled to hear their story. Please, Michaela, take a couple of minutes and introduce yourself, what you do as a program coordinator, and how you got here. Hi, Curtis. Thanks for having me. Uh, I have been with Washtenaw Literacy for four years now. I started as an intern with them, and then this year I am a VISTA, and one of my primary jobs is a court is a program coordinator like you said um i work primarily with our open tutoring esl groups as a coordinator so i help to support tutors and learners in taking attendance and providing materials and support oh great tell uh, um tell us what's a what's a vista a VISTA is a program through AmeriCorps. VISTA actually stands for Volunteer in Service to America. You dedicate a year in service to a nonprofit. And I chose Washtenaw Literacy as my nonprofit because I believe in their mission of providing literacy support free of charge. And it is something that I would like to continue my future career in. Oh, really? What What are you hoping to do with your career in the future? I hope to someday become an education policymaker. Um, I started at a nonprofit like Washington Literacy, and I hope to get my master's in educational leadership and continue with a PhD in education that would help me to get my voice heard and to move policy through for adult education. That was very, very inspiring. Very inspiring. So we kind of start off today, Michaela, with uh, something quite easy, I think, and, and fun to talk about. But what's your the first thing you remember about learning or school? For me, the touch of cinder block, painted cinder block, or the smell of art supplies will take me back to like first or second grade instantly. What, what's something like that for you? Hmm. I would have to say two things that are very different from one another, but picture books and marbles, glass marbles. Marbles? Yes. (laughs) Tell me about that. When I was in first grade, there was a reward system that I remember with marbles. I don't remember how it worked or what I did to get them or what we could get from them, but I remember that I had a massive glass jar of colorful glass marbles on my desk. And it was my goal in my first grade life to fill my jar with marbles just because I thought they were, I liked marbles a lot. I thought they were cool. Wow, that's that's so awesome. <laughs> so picture books are, are, I think, still incredibly relevant to adults, but what's what's the story with you and picture books? Um, my mom is a is and was a preschool teacher um, while I was growing up, and so we always had a lot of books in our house and a lot of picture books. And I just remember 
going to bed at night and we would always read a picture book, whether it be Dr. Seuss or um, what is, I wonder if you ever read that book about the, the tortoise and the rabbit, but I can't remember what their names are. I, I'm pretty sure I have. I, I think I know what you're talking about, ah, but I can't remember their names either. Oh, is it? No, Toot and Puddle, that's a different book. <laughs> I don't know, but I've always, yes, I've always had an affinity for, for picture books. I still read them as an adult. So do I, so do I. I think, that, I think that's so <laughs> awesome. <laughs> so your mom was, is, was a, is a preschool teacher, so I imagine learning, has learning been easy for you, or did you ever struggle with any kind of learning growing up? Um... I, I don't ever remember struggling. I'm sure that you know, my mom would tell you that I excelled in English and science and I didn't do as well in social studies or math, but I was still felt like I had the support coming home. And I always remember learning being a fun thing and I always enjoyed it. And there was a I'm trying to think of the word. There was a motivation there, I guess, to excel from home. Mm-hmm. It, was, it was always presented in such a positive manner. Like I, I didn't ever come home and feel like you have to get this A because you're going to get in trouble. I always came home and felt like you should get this A because you're smart enough to get this A and you should make the effort to get the A. Oh, wow. I think that's that's, I think that is very inspiring because I think both of us in our positions working with adults who are often come from meager means, we know that's not something everybody gets. And so it's really great to talk to somebody who did experience that because you you still have so much to offer a conversation about barriers, which is, is kind of where we're going with this. So from your perspective, Michaela, what is a learning barrier um, or have you ever maybe faced one you know about now as an adult? Um, do you have any opinions or, or stories about, about learning barriers you could tell us? Well, I think towards what is a learning barrier, I guess in my eyes is, like you said, not everyone is offered the same level of support that I was as a child. And I don't think I really realized that until I was an adult and until I worked for Washtenaw Literacy. You know, kids, not all kids have access to picture books when they come home. Not kids are pushed to do their best in school because sometimes, you know, mom had to be at work all day and couldn't come home and help you necessarily. Um, I think that working with Washtenaw Literacy has taught me a lot more about learning barriers than I ever could have imagined because mm. I didn't experience them myself. And I think that every every day I learn new new things about learning barriers. I mean, for instance, with COVID-19 happening, you think about all of the kids who won't be able to complete schoolwork because even though the school gave them a laptop, they don't have adequate Wi-Fi. Right, right. I don't know. There's countless barriers. Too. No, you're you're absolutely right. Yes. There are, are 
so many barriers and we're going to, I'm going to ask you about some of the emotions of that because a theme that seems to come up is, is isolation or feelings of worth or worthlessness and Mm -hmm. how that impacts feeling empowered. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's great. You already hit on the fact that having a good support network motivated you, but what do you, what are some of your insights or opinions about the emotions of those barriers or maybe the emotions you felt when you recognize those barriers as an adult, uh, either way you want to go, whatever you're most comfortable with. I think the first emotion that comes to my mind is just utter frustration. Right. Both in that I didn't see it. So I guess when I was a child, I, I didn't really realize how much other kids, how much harder other kids had to work because they didn't have the support system. So then I think about, well, how could have I helped them, I guess. And also now as an adult, it just, I mean, it just frustrates me that people don't have basic needs. I mean, they can't even read to their kid at night. I don't know. Yeah, and we know those those words, the amount of words kids know at certain ages are so important. And when mm-hmm. you can compare the demographics, I mean, you can go racial. You don't even have to go racial. You can compare so many different demographics showing that kids who don't have support and, and aren't motivated and aren't read to, um, it really affects their adult life. And I like that you talked about frustration because frustration is something I deal with myself and it's something I have to manage that I don't believe I'm going to ever overcome. You know, I carry a lot of anxiety as mm-hmm. a person. And so I have to manage that instead of thinking, oh, I'm going to overcome it. What, what, what is some of your advice or, or insight? Again, I keep talking about that because I think you offer a lot in, in terms of managing a frustration because you as an adult realize that, oh, I'm a very smart person, but there's something I didn't see and that frustrated you. But then it also is frustrating what you see in people. So how do, how do you manage that? Because I think a lot of people are going to hear you and, and think like, oh, this person sounds really well put together. How do they manage something? And I, so I think that's a really important answer from you. Yeah, I think it's two things, really. I mean, I really have worked hard to recognize my privilege in the education field. Wow. And I think it's a continuous process on a daily basis where I have to step back and go, Michaela, you can't respond in that way because not everyone was raised in that way. And you you were privileged. Um I think I also, you talked a little bit about empowerment earlier, and I think that my frustration empowers me. Um, Like I said earlier, I would like to continue my academic career by getting a master's and eventually a PhD so that my voice can be heard and so that I can attempt to use my experiences to make a difference in education. Um, because it angers me. So I think I use my frustration mostly to empower me, but also to check me, I guess, to check myself. Oh, wow. I, I love that. I love that you said that because 
that ownership of both sides of of our identities the maybe not so great side and the really awesome side seems to come up a lot in these conversations Washtenaw Literacy is hosting a variety of different events and training. Check out our calendar at washtenawliteracy.org forward slash calendar. That's W-A-S-H-T-E-N-A-W-L-I-T-E-R-A-C-Y dot O-R-G forward slash C-A-L-E-N D-A-R. We can't wait to see you at an upcoming event. You're, you're talking about frustration and anger, and people always associate that with, with a negative, I guess. And, and you are saying, well, flip it around. Use that empowerment. Take what you're, you're angry about and try to change it or yeah. learn, how, learn how to do it. You know, and I, yeah. think, I think there's so much uh, value in that. Um, and that's awesome because you kind of answered my empowerment question. So I can kind of jump into what is the like helicopter view? What should people as a glance take away from our conversation with you, Michaela, today? What's the, the big picture you're hoping people get? I hope that people can, I guess, inspired is a very strong word, I think, but I think be inspired by using anger and frustration as a positive, as an empowerment tool, and that they might think that they can't offer anything, but they can. They, right. they, you know, they, they don't need to sit in their chair and be angry about something. I think that they need to make a change where they see that a change needs to happen. I think that's that's amazing, especially because we're it, not even being talking about COVID-19, but just in general, the last couple of years, there's been a lot of anger and we're feeling it. And mm-hmm. so we need to take advice on how to, to use that and make a positive something that's that's not angry and, and turn it around. So I'm I I think mm-hmm. inspired is is a very good word. I don't think it's too strong at all. Um but so I want to end on a really light note, though. So you, if you could, Michaela, name like your favorite smarty teacher or somebody you respect who you think people listening to this can learn from. I have absolutely always loved Jane Goodall. Oh, I love her, too. I originally went to university to become a wildlife major because I wanted to be Jane Goodall. Oh, wow. I, I wanted to be the voice of the animals that are not heard. And I wanted, I felt empowered in that way. And then I took my first anthropology course and it all went downhill from there. But, <laughs> <laughs> um, I found the fight that also needed a voice, which was adult literacy and adult education. Um, yeah, you're still fighting. I, I think it, it's still connected. There's a synthesis there. Yeah, I really think that even if you're not an animal person, she has so many empowering and inspirational things to say about humanity and just the way that we treat each other and our earth and how it, it really takes a toll on us. And we, right. we have to recognize that. Yeah, she's, um, we often 
we focus so much on the male scientists, but mm-hmm. I think she's like Stephen Hawking's level uh, with like her proverbs and things like that that she says and her her contribution to this mm-hmm. world is is I think somewhat she's an underdog with it all. I mean, she we know Jane Goodall, and but like I I I, th- I think it's awesome you said her so that I, that I guess I'm rambling on because she is really <laughs> inspiring to me as well. What should I have asked you about learning or yourself that I didn't ask? Mm. What are you learning right now? I am, I am learning patience right now. <laughs> <laughs> I, am, I am learning patience while I work from home and while communication has strangely accelerated within Washington Literacy. And I feel like we're more connected now than ever, even though we're separate. Right, right. So full disclosure, we are recording this over the COVID-19 shelter in place in Michigan. And all of us are learning patience in the world and the country. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that that's been great. So since we're, we're talking about the, the shelter in place, you're, you've been the first person I've talked to so far who has mentioned that. Uh, how has that been going for you? I think it's been... I think it's been going okay. I, um, you know, I think that I personally really have to work on my mental happiness on a daily basis, I guess, and just staying motivated. Um, It helps me to make a daily schedule. It helps me to take breaks in my work day. It helps me to go outside and work in the garden beds and Uh, me too. (laughs) Everywhere. And Yesterday, I was learning how to take down a horse fence and the joys that come along with untangling a ton of wires <laughs> that only like to bend a certain way. Um, from an anthrop- think- yeah, go, go ahead. ahead. Oh, no, I was going to say from an anthropological level, because uh, you are soon to be rocking a PhD program for that. Do you think we're going to, what's the takeaway from that? How are we going to walk away from this? as a culture, as a society that, that maybe you can see, or maybe it's too early to see. I, I don't know enough about anthropology to know if that's a proper question to ask. So I think there's, I think there are some things you can see now, but there, most of it, we won't be able to see until a couple months down the road when we look back and go, Hmm. But I, I can't remember who posted an article for our staff, um, I think it was our director, about the great pause and the fact that everyone is looking at our stay-at-home order as a negative, but this particular journalist was looking at it as a positive and saying that we will never get this again. We will never get this great pause again. And I think that there are some people that will appreciate the great pause and they will use it to their advantage to look into themselves and truly evaluate what's important. And then I think we'll come out almost better from it and we'll appreciate things more. Um, But then I think there are going to be some people that are very angry still. And I think that a lot of anger will come out of this crisis as a society. I mean, I'm, I'm worried about how 
Americans will look at Chinese Americans or right. Chinese nationals. I mean, I, I think it's not going to be positive on that end, I guess. Um, so from an anthropological stance, I'm very interested to see how people's body image and um, how their speech changes towards people. And I just, I think it'll be a very long process for people to gain trust again, I guess. Oh, that's so, it's amazing you say trust because from my education, the the part of academia that I represent, the diplomacy and human rights and that uh, kind of sociology, but but more political, I've been watching these threads of trust and, and, uh, and, and it's funny, we meant we talked about support a lot, but a sense of trust and a breaking of our traditional support networks, but also seeing that this pause is potentially making us realize that some of those fractured support networks, we don't want to go away. Mm -hmm. And so I've been seeing some of those same things you mentioned. And I, I think it's been, uh, I think you're right. I, I, I think we're going to leave it at the positive aspects you talk about. Sure, there'll be the negative, but I think this pause is going to bring about a lot of positive things. And so I, I, I think we should leave it there, which does kind of come to the end. And so I thank you so much, Michaela, for being a guest on Literacy Mike and having uh, what I think is a very illuminating conversation about learning, about COVID, about uh, identity and so much. So I, I thank you so much. Of course. Thanks for having me. We hope you enjoyed this story. Literacy Mike is produced by Washtenaw Literacy. Visit us at washtenawliteracy.org.